Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. Romans 5, 1 to 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, is this a passage that is right up there in terms of a pure gospel, good news word with John 3.16. It seems to me like it's one of those Bible readings that there is so much good news in it, it's hard to receive. It's so good. I picked out four things at least that's really good news about that. You are, this is the big one, justified. Oh, sounds like a heavy word. Legally declared righteous and okay and at peace and as one and holy and dearly loved by the God of all creation, the holy, almighty, omnipotent God, the scary God. He says you are right with him. You are at peace with him. Everything else comes from that. You are declared right. And it's not because you've appeased him or because you've been good enough for him, or because you've paid him off enough with all your goodness and all your good works. No, you haven't even done that by keeping his lofty laws and his holy ceremonies. This is not why you are justified. As we know, as good Lutherans, we are justified by grace, through faith on account of of Christ. This is how we are and how we stand. This has happened to us. This has been done to us. Baptism began the whole journey. Two, you have access, access to God's grace, undeserved love and favour. Access every day. You have the password. Yes, you have the password to access the undeserved unearned blessing and favour and support and future and hope 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the password? I'm just going to say Jesus. He's the password. You've got it. You don't have to write it down anywhere and try and remember it. You don't have to hit the button that says forgot my password. You got it. You've got it. It's been given to you. And apparently you're still standing, even though you're sitting at the moment, you're still standing, sometimes standing tall, standing upright in the storm and in the calm, in the good and in the bad. And not by your own graces and favours and powers, but his, only his. Jesus standing tall after lying flat on his back in a dark, dead tomb. That's the grace in which you stand. Resurrection grace. Often it seems I know this is not the case <laughs> as you live life, don't you think? It just, it's hard sometimes to, to receive all these gifts and to, and to trust them and to live the day like that. But Paul says apparently God has perfect timing. Perfect timing of love and acceptance when we often feel like the world is ganging up on us. There's just too many problems inside me and around me and among those I love and among my enemies. There's just too many problems that I could possibly handle at once. I feel like I'm being overwhelmed. But apparently God has perfect timing. He has great love for us when we are very wrong and when we are very bad and when we are very lost and very unsure of ourselves. On the contrary, when we are quite proud and quite overly sure of ourselves and very, very set in our ways. And even in, in any suffering, apparently, God is still at work giving all of these gifts to us and they produce perseverance and character and hope and we are never put to shame by our God, ever. But one thing puzzles me, I must say, about this good news Bible text. One thing. Paul says we not only glory in God's grace, well that's easy, you know, that's, there's a whole list of stuff here and it's no it makes sense and it's natural and good on your God and you're great and we glory in you. But then what else does he say? We glory in our suffering. Hang on. Hang on. Glory in our sufferings, plural. Well, that does seem strange. And I have to say, I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I'm not very good at glorying in my sufferings. I actually don't like them very much. I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't like suffering. It's really suffering. I don't like it. Glory in our suffering. Look, I might glory in a beautiful vista of God's magnificent creation. I might glory in that. That's pretty easy. I might glory in a certain great, hard, one, long, fought for achievement. And celebrate that with my friends, I might glory in that. That would be pretty easy. I might glory in our youngest son turning 21 and having a party last Sunday night. That was, that was good. I could glory in that. I might glory in the win of some sort. But glory in my suffering. 
that seems counterintuitive, that seems wrong, that seems impossible. Seems like we more tend to run away from our sufferings, in fact hide them away because we feel shamed by them, get angry at other people and blame everybody else for our sufferings, and I'm pretty good at that, Uh, get angry at God for them, which by the way he can handle if you read the Psalms, there's a lot of words about that, come on God, where are you? Uh, write off our sufferings as useless, devoid of any purpose or meaning, so to be avoided at all costs. You run away around your suffering. You don't go into it. How can Paul glory in his sufferings and encourage you and me to do the same? How can he do that? Well, whenever you read the Bible, as you know, and there's a therefore then you have to go back and find out what the there for was before. What was there before? And just before these words about glorying in God's glory and all of that and glorying in our sufferings, here's what's before. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, as we know. Without weakening in his faith in God's grace, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's. Yet he didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. And this is probably the bit. Being fully persuaded, fully persuaded, that God has the power to do what he promises. God has the power and the intent and the will to do what he says he's going to do. And he says, that wasn't just for Abraham, by the way, folks. That's for us, because God's done exactly that in the promised Messiah, Saviour. He's delivered every promise, every part of the promise, and he will do what he has set out to do. Jesus is Lord of the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised for our life to be justified, made right, at peace with God. Okay, so the beginning apparently of being able to even glory in your suffering or suffering of someone you love comes our way by the reality and the promise and the hope that comes from Jesus' resurrection. The resurrection is the centre. It's everything. From there comes all hope because he suffered. He really did suffer. It wasn't an illusion. It wasn't a party trick. And he suffered as one of us, even amazing, more amazing, as you, as a human being. Blood, tears, sweat, hunger, thirst. That's him. He suffered. But he also did it freely, voluntarily, voluntarily. Amazing. And he's beaten death itself and all of your sin and all of your darkness and all of your sense of being overwhelmed and all of your sense of pride in trying to fix everything yourself, etc., etc. Not to mention the evil one who was always out to destroy us. So as Paul beautifully says it better than I can, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, and he showed us his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That's the basis of how you walk into suffering 
So when you're out of time, or in com- the completely wrong time, or the wrong thing, when you're still deluding yourself that you've got the power, we've got the power, to overcome trouble, standing still, being overwhelmed by it all, or taking matters into your own hands and trying to go around it, or sprint through it in some bold machismo moment to be the power person to get through the suffering, well, God's timing is perfect, says Paul. He simply calls us to do one thing, and one thing only, walk, not run, and not stay still. Walk. Walking is a slow rhythm, intentional, trusting, easy to run. Take matters into your own hands and get through this, fix it up. Easy to run around, try and get around, try and solve the problem. You know, that's our natural game. God's timing is perfect. So he calls us to walk not around our suffering, through it. Through it. Someone on Wednesday evening in the Connect group said, suffering and questions and worries sometimes feels like you're wading through, you know, waist-high water in seaweed, trying to get to the shore, trying to find the light. Yeah. Don't you reckon? That's a very good picture of what suffering is like, I think. Wading through the seaweed, trying to get to the shore, trying to find the light. Well, for all the seaweed waders here, here's the light. In whatever you face today, apparently these things are always true. You are right with your God. You are at peace with him and you are holy and pleasing in his sight. This is not because you made it so, it's because he made it so. In the hard stuff you've got God's real stuff, grace. And you're like a secret agent, I reckon. You've got an earpiece in and you're getting words from a friend about how to navigate the seaweed and where the shoreline is and where the light is that others may not have. You've always got that in your ear, those words whispering in your ear, giving you direction, that you could never know by yourself. You have access to all of those wonderful and powerful things in your suffering. You have the hope of the glory of God. Yes, you do. What is that? A sure hope, surely. A sure hope. Not a wished-for, longing thing that might happen if all the stars line up or I'm good enough this week. No, a sure hope that's already been achieved for you and now is freely given to you for any day of the week Whatever happens. I hope that is based on what's already happened to you and is surely will come your way. Hope made sure by someone else for you, not from you. Like the glory cloud, you know, thinking of glory, all the way through God's story with his people, all the way through. There's always this glory cloud, this Shekinah, as it's called. Remember all the stories about how God was present with his people in the Shekinah business? I picked out four. The glory cloud that entered the tabernacle at the foot of Mount Sinai in those tough, tough, desert-wandering years. God present with his people. The glory cloud that filled the temple in the city 
and signalled God's abiding presence with his people where they could come to him and ask him and pray and listen and receive his blessing. The glory cloud that surrounded Peter, James and John on that Mount of Transfiguration when they caught a glimpse of the glorified Jesus having a bit of a chat to Elijah and Moses. The glory cloud that enveloped Jesus as he raised his crucified hands in everlasting blessing where his presence becomes enormous. His glory fills the skies and he is all in all, says Paul. More present than he could ever be before that day. Amazing. That's our presence. That's Jesus' presence with you in your suffering, not apart from it. When you're being knocked from pillar to post, you still remain standing and strong enough to walk, not run, not stay still and be overwhelmed. Walk, walk. Not on your own two feet by any means, not by your own smarts or resilience or toughness or glory, but by Jesus' wonderful wounded feet, by the Father's gracious embrace as the Saviour whose arms are wide open on that cross of blood, on that suffering cross, calls you through to the throne of grace. Which, by the way, in John's Gospel, the cross is the throne of grace. So with that glory and that grace and that access 24-7, you can speak high words of praise today about this God who is really Emmanuel, God with us, suffering servant God who washes your dirty feet and sticks tough in the tough stuff. Is the seaweed parting this morning? And here it is, we get to it finally. We glory in our sufferings. Are you there yet? No, I don't know. 40%, 60%? You can glory in your sufferings today because of everything that's been said. I think the main thing that Paul's saying that I find very helpful in my troubles, your trouble, your suffering actually has value. It's not meaningless and to be avoided at all costs. It has value. It has meaning. It has a purpose even. Not readily seen straight away, I know, but nevertheless, I wonder what God is doing in your life through your suffering at the moment. Is he teaching you perseverance? Is he building your character? Is he reaffirming a sure hope that's already yours? He has been working on me this week by this text. Your suffering has value, it has a greater purpose and therefore it has meaning. It's not useless and it's not wasted. The scriptures tell you that your suffering is real and should be felt, not run away from. It's no illusion. It's not meaningless, some sort of meaningless thing that you just wait out until it goes. Suffering is not highly ordered either or equally doshed out. It is unequal, it is unfair, it is brutal and it hurts. It's not a matter of matching up your sins and your good bits and that's the suffering you receive, which is basically what Buddhism teaches. It's not that at all. It's disordered and chaotic and it hurts and it's out of whack. What about the tourist bus that rolled over last week and the tragedy of that and the pain of that? And we pray for them all today. Paul, of course, who suffered enormously and usually unjustly, he can say this unthinkable thing. 
I glory in my sufferings. Amazing stuff. Suffering comes, it's unfair, it's overwhelming, but he says he can glory in it as well because it's not meaningless. It has purpose. You're walking through with the earpiece and the word whispering in your ear, the Holy Spirit. In other words, your suffering counts. It counts a lot to God, your Heavenly Father, to this church, your brothers and sisters, and even to the world, the people you support. So can you hear today, as Jesus weeps for his dead friend, Lazarus, as he cries out in excruciating abandonment, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, with a bloodied body and a wounded heart, as he looks over the city that he loves and weeps for it because of its obstinance and its hard-hearted, blocked ears, to all this magnificent grace. Your suffering is real today. It is not something to escape from by your own means at any cost or avoid. It is not meaningless or futile. Your suffering is not something you dismiss or downplay to stay untouched and affected by it as if you could. Your suffering is not something that your reason can master and your intelligence has to figure out so you can cope to endlessly ask the why question when you do not usually and sometimes often <laughs> cannot know. Your suffering is not something you suffer to experience. You experience to pay the Father back for the many sins you've committed as if the Father who sent his Son freely and gave him for you would now turn around and start some logbook of punishment on you. That's not the same God. That can't be true. He says he didn't come to condemn you, he came to save you, didn't he? He came to save you, not condemn you, even in your suffering. So today, this God of ours is doing what he's always done for his people, time immemorial, while we were sinners struggling, he gives everything. He gives you everything, it's all there for you, by faith, just by faith. Okay, Paul, I might, I'm just saying might, I might be able to survey my suffering this morning or the suffering of people I love and I may be able to begin, begin to actually give you God the glory for that too. Maybe. Help me do it. Help me do it. He may be at work in me. He may be leading me. I may be walking through it with an earpiece and the spirit in my head and in my heart. I believe you are. In the name of Christ, amen. And the peace of God, the hope of God, give you everything you need to continue to walk the way of faith with the spirit of God. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. stpetri.org.au